0: And I said, okay, I will take a few classes just to prove to you how much I'm going to hate it. (laughs) And then 10 years later, I became his first female black belt.
1: And now, coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California, it's the world famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris.
2: And I'm Christine, and welcome to the 90th episode of The Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do!
1: Fantastic! The great fantastic number 90 90 episodes amazing we're almost to 100
2: I know that I can count and how many times do you think you're gonna say 90 this episode Chris
1: 90 and 90 you know we are the 90th episode if you don't know this 90 episode
2: all right everybody got it so we're 10 weeks away 10 episodes away from the big triple digits we're almost there hooray wow I sound so enthusiastic. Well, I
1: I am super excited (laughs) because how many podcasts make it past episode seven uh, or eight? Well, I know you're going
2: to quote those stats to us, Chris. So what percentage of podcasts pod fade after the seventh episode?
1: A lot. I don't even know the numbers, but it is is a lot of episodes that do that.
2: Uh, Well, I am excited to share with you that you get the full level of snarkasm from me today
1: what christine's on her snark snark machine
2: <laughs> it sounds almost like i'm like taking something inappropriate no it's just i'm just a little bit snarky
0: today
1: well, if we do sound a little different today, speaking of which, snarcasm is that we are using a new toy to record this podcast right now. We are using the PodTrack P4, so it may sound a little different. Everything's being recorded directly onto the thing, not the regular computer, because the computer decided to be not playing nice for the audio.
2: Yeah, and so we're just trying something different today, but it's called the Zoom PodTrack P4, right? That, so is it correct. like owned by the people that created Zoom?
1: It's not Zoom, what you would think for your – meetings and your online stuff it's a different company called zoom i think the zoom you're thinking of is called you zoom.us this is a zoom.com i zoom i think i don't know
2: i don't know that's kind of weird it could kind of confuse people to make them think like maybe this is what you use when you're zooming i don't know but Thank you for that distinction, Chris. Uh, what made you decide to, well, you already said why you are doing the PodTrack P4, but what do you love about this device?
1: This device, it's, uh, if you have a podcast out there, or you're thinking about doing a podcast, I would recommend getting this thing called the Zoom PodTrack P4. It retails for about $200 um, everywhere you buy it from. And what it is, it's the size of what, maybe a checkbook or a small woman's- <laughs> It's
2: not a checkbook. It's May- like a size of a, a small, like a medium-sized wallet.
1: Yeah, like a medium-sized wallet is what it is. Mm-hmm. And what it is, you can connect four XLR microphones to it, four headphones to it. You can play sound effects. Let's try something. How's it? No! How's this? <laughs> See, you can play things like that right on the device. And you can take phone calls, plug your phone right into the ring, thing. Ring, ring, ring. You can... Uh, this is
2: your future calling.
1: It's... uh great story (laughs) compelling and rich
2: did you really load those on there or did it come on there no
1: i loaded that one on there but
2: but you can load too much
1: i know it's got a sound pad on here so you can load a few things to it and you can take your phone plug your phone right into it or my phone's not plugged into it right now but if you were you can actually play any audio that's on the phone any sound effects anything you have you can play directly into the session live records everything multi-track and um Yeah, it's a new toy, so we're playing we're playing with it.
2: Well, you are. You like to play with toys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: I'm just but you know what kid, it really like. looks
2: like? I'm looking at it. It looks like a like a triple sized taser.
1: It you know it does. It reminds me of the walkie-talkie back in the old Star Trek days. Oh the, like, yeah. Cassie or like Kirk. the
2: original cell phones too, like gigantic where it's like
1: the brick phone. Like
2: like the one you see on Pretty Woman. It's like in the opening oh, scenes of yeah. Pretty Woman. It
1: is. It totally reminds you of that. Yeah. It, it, it does have that taser shape though. How it's like the handle where you put your hand on, it's kinda of thinner than the top where the, the electroids would be at and they shock people with it.
2: Right. But the thing that's cool about this is that we don't have to actually have the computer running. So could we, like, take this on the go and, like, podcast when we're, you know, like, in Mexico? Could we go and, like, record it and then upload it and and not have to, like, run it off of a computer the entire time?
1: That is a fantastic question. And, yes, you actually can. This thing is 100% portable. It runs on batteries, like AA batteries, which are pretty much available in- anywhere. And you can record. I think on the batteries, you get maybe two hours of recording or something on the Mm -hmm. thing portably. So you can plug your microphones into this thing, be like the man on the street and totally get audio (laughs) from people and record with like decent microphones plugged right into the thing. And you want headphones into it. It's all portable. I love it. I mean, I think it sounds a little different than we're usually used to, but it's it's because it's so clean and clear.
2: Oh, I love it. Well, thank you for introducing it to us. We've only had it for, you know, a year.
1: (laughs) In the box.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, and Chris has used it one time for my, was it for my birthday surprise?
1: Yeah. I called your sisters on it and I used, because I plugged my phone right into the thing and I was able to call them that way and record onto it this way. And this is the first time that you and I are actually using it for the podcast itself. So, oh, so here we well, you, are.
2: You fancy, huh? I am you fancy. You fancy,
1: huh? So hey babe, how has your week at work been this week?
2: Um, It's been pretty low key. I mean, just busy, busy and uh, lots of our school districts are getting towards the end of the year. I'm wrapping up some of my big projects. I'm done with school. And, you know, I've just been like trying to figure out what to do in my free time and uh, not that I have a lot of it. And so I've been just doing some projects, some work projects and some side projects for my side hustles. And, um, yeah, just kind of figuring out what's next for me in terms of I'm always a person that has to have like has to be productive. And so I'm learning how to let my body rest after, you know, three years of, really plowing through school, my body is just trying to like rest and recover and reset. And so uh, yeah, I've just been doing that. Uh, I guess the bad news is this week that no. I had something really, really difficult happen is, um, I think it was on Wednesday. i pretty sure it was on Wednesday, I got this call on my phone, and it said spam risk, because you know, at t tells you now like spam risk when it comes across. And I was like, Oh, I'm not gonna answer it. And then I went to my voicemail, and it was actually my bank, and I verified that it was actually my bank calling to say, please call our fraud detection services. There's been a transaction that we wanted to ask you about. And so I'm always leery of calling just the numbers that they leave for me. So I went to the website, and I called the actual bank number, and I talked to a real person. And uh, over, I, I normally check my account on the app every day because I'm like, Super aware of what I'm spending and making sure I'm not overspending, staying within my limits. And I hadn't because of the weekend, Mason's birthday weekend, I hadn't checked for three days. And um, sure enough, I logged in right before I called the bank and somebody had hacked my account. No. And they stole all my money.
1: All of your – oh, my –
2: They completely drained my checking account. And it dipped over into my savings and it took half of my savings and – um, thousands of dollars were gone, and um, they there were 22 transactions that went through, uh, ranging from like 45 dollars to 120 dollars. Because I have an alert anytime something spent over 150 dollars, it pings me just to let me know so I can go in and check. But um, you know, some of the charges I noticed when I went back through, they were testing out my number, and it started with target.com. So I don't know how that happened. I don't know how they were able to successfully get it through Target.com.
1: Maybe they know. Maybe 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 how they, maybe somehow they saw that you shop at Target regularly that maybe they figured you may not, wouldn't notice maybe. I
2: don't know because I had made a Target order two days before and then all of a sudden I had like this extra 36 cent Target charge and then the next charge at Target was like 117 and then they went to Walmart.com, Ace Hardware. Um, power sports, boating, something. Everything was online. Some really web restaurant. They were buying gift cards. Um, And after 22, yes, 22 transactions, the bank finally blocked it. Um, They even went to Sears. Like, I didn't even think Sears existed anymore.
1: Yeah, they closed down around here.
2: Right. So um, after 22 transactions, the bank finally flagged it. 22 transactions in 24 hours, mind you. But it was under the daily limit of you know $2,500, whatever. Um, and then there was an attempted additional 15 to 18 transactions that were declined that were all increasing in amounts. So they went from like 50 to 120 to like 250. So it's like, I think that they were like trying to see how much they could get. But basically, that's been rough because they had to cancel my card and I... Okay, first of all, and we're not gonna get into this on the air, Chris, but I love my bank. This is the, I've been with my bank since I was 18 years old. Okay. And I've never had a problem, and they're almost always on top of the fraud detection. And they did catch this. I mean, it was a little, it was 24 hours late, but they did catch it and alert me to it, or otherwise it could have kept going for a bit. But it is a credit union, and it's based in Central California. So there's no branches down here, but it's easy because I can bank it. Any credit union, like I can go to their ATMs for free, but I can't go inside of the branch and like normally bank there to withdraw money and just be like, here's my account number. Can I get money out? So that's challenging right now because I can't, like, my cards closed off and I had just used the last bit of cash I had in my wallet the day before to tip a server at a restaurant. And so I was like, I hate using credit cards, but (sighs) I just kind of had to. Default to that. It was a little bit frustrating. And then um, my the one thing that I'm super thankful about is that this all happened the day before payday instead of the day after. I would have oh, been gosh. so devastated.
1: You took your whole entire paycheck. Right.
2: Because I still haven't received the money credited back to my account from my bank because they're investigating the fraud right now. It shows all of those transactions since they flagged them as fraudulent as pending But the money's still been taken out of my account and I can't access it. It hasn't been given back as a credit. So what they were telling me at the bank is they go back through and they try to get the vendors that the charge was made through to credit that money back. So the bank's not out that money. But it would be nice if they just gave me my money back and then went after the vendors to get it back for themselves instead of making me be out the money which I did nothing wrong.
1: You know, it's like it's like uh it's like with credit cards I believe if you if this was a credit card they instantly would refund you the money. Right,
2: they give you like a provisional Well, credit. actually the
1: thing is that because it's a credit card technically the cash it's not really taken out of your account immediately like it was with a debit card. Right. So the, the, it would just be a charge on your credit card that you don't have to pay because they are take care of it. Right. That's why I would recommend if any –
2: No, 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 no. This is not the time, Christopher. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. You're going to say – I wish that you would just use a credit card all the time. Nope.
1: Nope. That's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is that anybody that makes any kind of purchases online to use a credit card, and you say, why a credit card? Because if there is a a fraudulent situation where they hack your account or steal your stuff, you can always dispute that, and the credit card company will always, always uh, make sure you don't have to pay that.
2: Well, thank you very much for making me feel like a complete idiot. I appreciate you. Thank no, because
1: you. you were not using your credit card online, your debit card. I, use, else I was. just
2: said I used it on Target.com. What, you did? Yes, I told you I used it on Target.com two days before because I had to get the leftover stuff from Mason's. And so anyways, so don't do what Chris just did, everybody, where you just throw me under the bus. Thank you very I much. I didn't
1: throw you under the bus. As if I didn't
2: have a bad enough week. Now you understand the sarcasm, everybody. So let's flip it over, Chris. How was your week?
1: Well, my work week has been fantastic. It's been amazing. So. Well, tell us about it, Chris. All right. Are you ready? Buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) So if you remember last week, I mentioned that we are going back to the uh, iHeartRadio Music Festival in Las Vegas.
2: Now, is it you and me or is it you and a child?
1: Well, we haven't decided yet. I think it might be um, me
2: so. And- I don't know if I earned my keep to be able to get in there. <laughs> of course, you, you did, before. baby. You know, mm-hmm. you
1: know, you're VIP. Come on, you know, you're come on with me.
2: Whatever. Over to the festival. Maybe it should be me and one other kid, and we could let you like hang out in the hotel.
1: Oh, uh, may you know, maybe. So I know if you're thinking, what is the iHeartRadio Music Festival? I thought you talked about this last week. Well, don't you worry, because if you go over to our website at www. Uh, (laughs) chrisandchristineshow.com you
0: almost (laughs) forgot what
2: it was chris and christine with k's
1: yes go to our website right now and you'll see right on the front page i put together a video explaining what the Radio Music Festival is it's right there on the website right on front it's a amazing video
2: it's flashy it's
1: very flashy. Flashy,
2: flashy and it
1: has all the artists and all the musical events that we saw when we went there in a quick little two minute video And it's fantastic. So that's what you did this week? That is one part of the week I did. And the second part of the week, over on my other podcast... Wait,
2: hold on. The second part of the week, you blamed me for not using my credit card online so that I had fraudulent charges. (sighs) Can we move on past that already? (laughs) My goodness. You can move on. I'm still stuck on it. But thank you for rubbing salt in the wounds. What did you do for the third half of your week?
1: Okay, okay, okay. So... I know I have another podcast. It's called Podtastic Audio. You can find it at Anchor.fm/slash Podtastic Audio.
2: And who came up with that name of Podtastic? Uh,
1: I think Christine did.
2: Yes, yeah, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> Is there another Christine?
1: Uh, no, just you, baby. <laughs> yes, me. Just, just... I came up with it. Yes, it yes. Was, it was so, fantastic. So, what happened
2: on it this week? Did, okay. you, did you bomb?
1: Uh, bomb.
2: Like, did you bomb? Did you like? Did your episode crash? Like, what happened?
1: Well, I was actually running late with the episode because I had two VIP guests scheduled to come in on Wednesday. See, I usually release episodes on Tuesday, uh, record something Monday, send it out on Tuesday. But I had these VIP guests scheduled for Wednesday, and I didn't know if they're going to show up or not. So I'm like, what? so I'm like waiting. I'm you like, didn't know they're so nice. Of course, they were going to show up. Okay. Well, I I wasn't sure because we've had guests sh- on this show. Uh, I have a guest on the other show canceled too. So it is a thing people do sometimes before the day before. So I don't like to even mention we have a guest coming out until it actually has been taped and recorded. Because that way, you know, for sure, you have the recording, you have it, and you can actually say, yes, this guest is coming up next week. So I didn't want to say that until I actually had these guys booked. They were booked, but I didn't have them officially recorded yet. So, Wednesday comes, or Tuesday comes, I email them, making sure, you guys still on for tomorrow? And they say, yes, can't wait. At that point, I got super excited, and then I uh, plugged a little bit on Instagram, social media. They got some guests coming in, VIP guests, and so... I did get these guests on the air. and these Who
2: were they? You keep saying these guests. Tell us. Who were they?
1: Okay. These guests. If you know anything about a podcast, we do a lot of interviews, interview style shows. We do it all through a service called Clean Feed. It's what we use to record all of our stuff. It's an online recording platform, which you can record yourself and you can record your guests and you record lots of guests and it sounds extremely clear. It's probably the clearest sound you'll ever hear on the internet, computer to computer in yes, the, in the world we
2: really love it we and it's so easy to use
1: it's amazing so i happen to get the creators of clean feed mark hills and mark Bacos, to come onto my show and talk all about
2: it. Is it mark hills or mark hill because i think it's mark hill
1: is it i thought it was hills
2: i think it's mark hill and mark Bac- Bacos. anyway
1: i got both of those guys to come on via clean feed on my podcast we had a great talk conversation we talked for like an hour it was fantastic
2: i love listening to that episode um not only because you did a great job with it but um i kind of fangirl when i hear both mark and mark talk because they have this amazing british accent they're both from london one from the north side and one from the south side of london and it's just so classy i don't know how else to say it it's just like smooth and it's like i i well first of all i love British TV shows like what have I been watching all day today?
1: Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey
2: and I love Bridgerton and I am I think they call it an anglophile like I love like period pieces from like the early 18 like late 1800s early 1900s set in London specifically or around the London area um the UK in general and there's just something about Uh, hearing like very classy professional gentlemen speaking about their craft with a British accent that I'm like, I get a little bit spoony. I'm not going to lie. Don't get jealous. I get, I, get
1: that, I, get that, I get that too. You know, it's like the same thing. Reason why you see a lot of people will have like British female voices for their voiceover work. It kind of sounds very like intelligent and very smart, you know. So but but Mark and Mark, they, but they ha-
2: are very intelligent and very smart. They
1: are. And they have a very, very good voice. Of course, these guys have like very good gear, like they're audiophiles. So they have like probably like you know, a $1,000 microphone and all kinds of equipment. But
2: they've also been in the business like in radio for a long time. And so they probably also have like good voice training. I don't know. They're good at what they do. And they've developed an amazing product. And I loved listening to the episode where they were sharing about Clean Feed with you. And what I loved about it is and I think it goes along with podtastic audio being like for the beginning podcaster or the like hobby podcaster is the way that you and them spoke together you were able to break down this really complex content that maybe could be very like geeky and nerdy that you know you could be talking over our heads and make it very accessible where I was like oh gosh I totally get this right now like and that's a really technical concept. Like, oh, I get that. You know, talking about the little packets. I think you were talking about packets of audio. You know what's funny? That, pa- that
1: section about the packets. I was talking to Mark afterwards and he says, maybe you should cut that part out. I said, no, I kind of like that. I kind of like the whole, we talked about how the internet kind of works, how everything gets broken down in packets and sent over the internet and then your computer unravels it and, and puts it together. But we were talking about audio, especially high quality audio, that has to happen very quickly. Like the it has to break the packets apart and reorganize them. All done in like super super fast timing, and it was kind of funny. We actually um, there was something they called a the latency test. They showed me how to do it, and what you do is you got to count like one, two, three, four, five. You count, and then the other person kicks in at four to match your pace, and then you'll hear the difference. And that's the latency between the two sides of the, uh, of, the of the conversation.
2: Interesting, because they were
1: coming from London, and here we are in San Diego, and the the miles it's got to be like what five thousand miles away.
2: I don't know, Chris. How many miles is it?
1: I don't. I didn't look it up. It's like five thousand miles away, and it sounded as if that we were in the same room, and that's why I love Clean Feed.
2: Well, I'm so excited for you that you were able to get two of your podcasting superheroes onto the show, and <sighs> I know. And we actually had an an opportunity to meet with them a couple of weeks ago, just as an informal conversation, and we were just so flattered that they would take time out of their super busy schedules to be able to talk with us and learn about us and learn about our podcast. And, you know, I just am so grateful for how many super interesting people that we've met along this journey that, you know, 90 weeks ago, if we were in almost two years now, if we were to look back, I would have been like, oh, well, this is just going to be, you know, a fun thing for Chris and I to fight over every week as we try to figure out fun content. Um, But it's, I love, I love it when you and I get to do episodes by ourselves, as long as we don't like fight over the content creation beforehand. You know, I'll, I'll call it brainstorming, mm. emphasis on the stormy.
1: I get the brain st- thunder,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I do really love it when we have guests and when we get to connect with individuals from the podcasting community. Don't you, Chris? Oh,
1: I think it's fantastic. That's what that's what I told Mark is that when we found Clean Feed, we realized how clean it was. I said, Christine. I think we actually have guests come on this thing with this t- new toy I just found out about, yeah. you know. And and the thing with us is that I always like, I think a lot of podcasters, a lot of podcasts, they always say it's better to have everybody in the same room joining you having the conversation. But with a tool like Cleanfeed, it does give you that illusion that we are all are in the same room, and that's what I love about it.
2: Yeah, it absolutely does, and I'm so grateful that you found Cleanfeed because we've been able to have just some really interesting guests, and that is very true for this week's episode, right, This Chris?
1: week, we have a lady, very, very fun lady, and she happens to be, get this, a real life ninja. hi
2: hiya! hi-ya.
1: <laughs> so Don't mess with her, guys.
2: No, but she is just such a genuine person and has such a heart of gold, and we learned oh. some super valuable lessons, not only about her craft, her martial arts, but also about life and um, how to live life to its fullest right Chris
1: that's right and we will have her on the show right after this hey there k2 crew we love having you as our loyal listeners to keep up to date with what's happening behind the
2: scenes check us out on social media
1: yeah you can find us on instagram and twitter
2: and don't forget to follow our facebook page
1: yeah tag us in your favorite fun stories and guess what you might just end up on the show Ooh-ooh. today's episode is brought to you by barouche now, Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Bruche redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you first leave the dentist. A fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off total purchase with code POD. 15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine.
2: And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fabulous VIP guest. She is a podcaster, an author, and a real-life ninja. Welcome to the show, Cheryl I Ilove. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Chris and Christine. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, Cheryl, how's your day going today?
0: My day is going great. Couldn't be better. And I have to tell you, this is the highlight of my day. So things are just rolling along just beautifully.
1: It's a highlight of our days, too.
0: Yeah, we're so excited to have you on this show. And where in the world are you joining us from, Cheryl? Cheryl? I am joining you from the mile high city of Denver in beautiful, colorful Colorado. Colorado is such
2: a beautiful town. I've been there one time, or Colorado is a town, Denver is such a beautiful <laughs> town. I've been there one time and I went to this famous
0: hotel for high tea. Was it called like the <gasps> Brown Palace or something like that? Yes, ma'am. It is the Brown Palace in downtown Denver. And you know, my husband and I our uh, Christmas tradition, we don't have any family here in Denver. Um, so our Christmas tradition, we go for champagne brunch every Christmas day. Oh. And it is just so lovely.
2: Well, I was staying at a hotel across the street from there. And I went and like, I like walked over and I had high tea over there in the afternoon. And it was just so fabulous.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. It just it, it's so elegant. And the service is so wonderful.
1: Hey, Cheryl, do you guys have, is Denver a big, like, brunch city? I know San Diego's got a big brunch thing. Is, is, is uh, Denver big on their brunch?
0: You know, it seems to be, but honestly, since this past year, everything has been, you know, shut down, closed down, whatever. You know, it's a little bit confusing um, if we still do brunch anymore, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it used to be a really big thing, so I'm looking forward to having all of that open back up again. Oh, me too. I love a good brunch. It's oh, just, I do too. Yeah. You
2: know, just a, it's a wonderful excuse to have breakfast all day long. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fan of Brenner too. Brinner. I call it call <laughs> really. Well, Linner. that's lunch and dinner. Brenner is more of breakfast for dinner. So I'm, oh, okay, a, I'm gotcha. a brunch and Brinner kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we're all a bunch of foodies is what yeah, you're saying. exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so excited that you were able to join us today. And you have a very interesting bio. But before we hop into some of your... Um, ninja-related information. We'd love to know a little bit about your professional background.
0: Well, I am an author, but um, I became a published author for the first time in, when was it, June or July of 2016, so it's all all been five years already. Uh, I'm also a speaker, and uh, that was going pretty well up until the time COVID hit, and then things kind of shut down a little bit on that, too. Uh, I am also a ninja which we will get to later. And I am a recovering physical therapist. Uh, I'd like to say recovering physical therapist because I really never did do traditional PT. I did, um, I was in private practice for 18 years and I did alternative physical therapy practices based on Pilates. So I did Pilates-based rehabilitation and conditioning. And then as I was growing my practice, I added something called Feldenkrais to the mix too, which is a very sophisticated form of neuromuscular. Re reeducation and rehabilitation.
1: Now, was this all done when COVID hit? When did you transfer everything over to like an online Zoom type of platform?
0: That's a really good question. Actually, I closed my physical office exactly four years ago in May. So it was May of uh, 2017. And there were a lot of a confluence of events that kind of just came together that said to me, you know what, you're done. It's time to stop, you know, take a break, look into a third career of speaking Mm -hmm. and writing and educating people in much larger groups. Um, But because of COVID and because I've been doing a lot of things online myself, like taking ballet classes for my Mm -hmm. ballet teachers online. And it was a couple of months ago, I did a mental head smack and I said to myself, hey, you could actually reopen your office and do it and offer your services online. So basically, I have launched um, my online program exactly four years to the almost the day that I closed my physical office. So it's very exciting for me. That's amazing. And you know,
2: I have found that so many different services are now being offered online that I so wished would have been offered previously. Um, whether it's mental health counseling or virtual doctor's visits. And, mm-hmm. you know, I I didn't mind going to my doctor's office, but I would find that I would not schedule appointments as frequently because it's like a 35-minute drive and it was just inconvenient. And so now I find mm-hmm. myself a bit more willing to schedule and keep my appointments because I can work it around my busy schedule not have to take a half a day off of work for it. So have you seen an influx of people coming to you now
0: since we've been in the land of COVID for 14 months? (laughs) In the land of COVID. I like the way you put that. Um, Actually, I have had really um, a lot of interest in what I'm doing and even like my previous clients, um, they're not the ones who are contacting me. It are they're more people who have either never heard of me, never heard of how I work before, never heard of something called Feldenkrais, which I do uh, do. So it's an entirely different um, population that I'm able to to reach, and especially you know, like you said before before COVID, we really didn't do as much online. And I think that because of COVID and out of necessity, people were then, okay, what can we do? How can we pivot and find a solution? So now it's almost like, why didn't we think of this sooner? Because it is a lot easier. I mean, I know when I take my ballet classes online and it's a real easy commute, all I have to do is walk down my stairs <laughs> <Right>. and I, <laughs> I'm in the ballet studio. I don't have to put on makeup. I don't even have to wear deodorant if I don't want to. So it's just <laughs> really convenient.
1: You said ballet. Are you a? Uh, do you perform ballet?
0: Well, no, not at this point in my life. Um, and I've never been a professional. I actually did do some, you know – semi-professional performances and stuff when I was younger. But honestly, I didn't even start my my dance training until I was 20 years old, which is really, really old uh, for an adult to start taking ballet right. and to pursue it as um, heavily as I did and as seriously as I did. But you know, I'm full disclosure, I will be 65 in September. Ooh, you are you <laughs> I am just a baby. I swear I am just getting started. It's such an exciting time And I still do take ballet class at least three times a week. I still do the point work a little bit. Um, And I also do a different form of dancing. I don't know if you'd be interested in that. Not a lot of people know about it. What is it called? Well, some people call it fit pole. Some people call it pole sport. And some people call it pole dancing. (laughs) I love pole fitness. Did did you
1: say pole dancing? Yes.
2: (laughs) A sister after my own heart. I went to, they called it pole star fitness. I went to a pole star fitness class one time and it was so much fun. We went for a a girlfriend's birthday party and it was just like seven of us ladies with the instructor and Uh oh my goodness, I have never sweat so much in my entire life and been so sore the next day, but had so much fun working
0: out. It is so much fun, but it is so hard. I mean, you know, at first, when I first started as a beginner, and I'll full disclosure, um, when I turned 58, I decided it was time to start engaging in more age appropriate activities.
1: <laughs> what, is that, what does that mean, age appropriate at 58? What do 58s do?
0: They start pole dancing.
1: <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought so. Yeah.
0: And the best part was when I. Told my husband I was going to be doing this. We were having brunch, as you know. You know, we all all love brunch. Yeah. So we were we were actually having brunch at this little uh, Mexican restaurant not far from where we live, and I said to him, "Well, you know, I'm turning 58 in a few weeks," and he says, "Yes, I know." <laughs> and I said, "So I decided that it's time to start doing some something more age appropriate." And he just sat and he waited, and I told him what I was going to do, and he just looked at me and he said. I love you. Oh, that's so cute.
1: Is <laughs> that is said, is that, e- that code for him to say what do whatever you want to do?
0: Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Yes, yes, it really is. That's another one of those code things. But <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. And then he said, I'm never bored. And I said, yes, I know. So, <laughs> how many years have you been married? Oh, um, let me see. We got married in. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Our 35th wedding anniversary is coming up in November. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Congratulations.
0: <laughs> well, that's. Thank um, you. We should ask you for marriage advice
2: because today, as we're recording this, happens to be Chris is in my six month wedding it anniversary. Is? Yes. Oh. So we need some tips from you, Cheryl. Six
1: months already. Time so, flies. You're having fun.
2: Yes. So I know. First thing is I should get into um, a pole fitness class. Okay. Yeah, How else can uh, we keep the. Keep the fun going. Not, I mean, we are family friendly. But what are things Got that it. you found to be um, of benefit to keep your connection and friendship strong?
0: Well, okay. Well, Christine, you've already come up with one um, solution, which is go to you know the pole studio. That'll keep you, you know, <laughs> on, on we're on the right track. And Chris has already noticed. Yes, dear.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Say a lot of yes, dears. And uh, yeah, I figured that out way early.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, and then I think you guys will be great. I mean, it's obvious that you have like really good connection and great chemistry between you. And I'm telling you, you are really taking your marriage. Um, this is the acid test. If you can do a podcast together and go through all of this together, <laughs> you're going to be fine. Ooh, there's sometimes that it's a little bit harder.
1: <laughs> what? Not for me. I have, this is easy peasy. I love doing this. This is great.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that the, all that togetherness and that's um, you know. So my husband and I have been married for 35 years, but we've actually been together. For it'll be 46. Wow,
2: 11 wow. years before
0: you got married. That was, is my math wrong? Oh, maybe we've been together. We were together for seven years before we got married. So oh, my math awesome. is wrong. So only 42, 42 years. Wow.
2: No, 42. That's a tremendous.
0: Yeah, that's still a long time, but nothing has been as, as challenging, I won't say difficult, but challenging, as this past 14 months with COVID, because my husband used to travel a lot with work, and of course, I was always in and out, you know, going about my life, and then all of a sudden, we're together 24-7.
1: Was, this, was like, this like the first time you guys were really this much together at one time, for this long of a time? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah and I really think I think that's one of the reasons why our marriage was so strong, because even at the very beginning, he had his own interests, I had my own in, my own interests, and then we would come together. So we gave each other the space to pursue you know our, our hobbies, our activities, uh, and and you know be away from each other, so then we, when we did come together, you know we were stronger.
2: That totally makes sense. And I know that we've seen and we've seen the statistics coming out during the time of COVID with so many couples being home together a lot is it's fracturing relationships because it's people that never intended to be around each other as much. And yes, we love each other. And we want to be married. But then when you're in space with someone and you have no separation, Mm -hmm. gosh, it just brings out the worst in people at Mm -hmm. times.
1: It can. You think it's all going to be fun and dandy. But then, you know, I Mm. mean, when you're with somebody that much. uh, It
2: can be hard. It can. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that this is the nice thing for us, Chris, is having this experience of me working remotely at the beginning of our marriage and going through COVID helps us give gives us a taste of what it's going to be like, like in retirement. Right.
0: Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I, that's one of my husband, you know, my husband has been talking retirement, retirement for the past couple of years, and I just shudder and it was like, Oh, God, no, how's this going to work out? And one of my biggest fears was, well, what if he's not working, and he's not traveling, and he's home all the time, what am I going to do with him? And so then I guess I found out. So this was really good, um, like a, a dress rehearsal, let's just right. say, you know, for retirement. But honestly, I really don't think that anybody any couple, any family, you know, any relationships are meant to be together 24-7 the way we all have been in the past 14 months. So the fact that we can, um, you know, survive that, you can survive anything.
2: Definitely. It has taken a lot out of people. And so we're kind of coming out on the other side of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about that, people have been in their homes and they've been Restricted in terms of, you know, for the lockdown, being able to leave their homes and be out and as active. One of the things my friends and I have been talking about is how our bodies don't feel as flexible. And I was wondering Mm -hmm. with your expertise and background in physical therapy, as well as in your other interests, um, how do you would you encourage people to start loving their body and moving slowly so that they can get back to their
0: pre-COVID flexibility. You couldn't have said that. I mean, I couldn't have said it better because you nailed it. Moving slowly and loving your body and not beating yourself up for, you know, maybe those late night, you know, binges or the comfort food. I know what my go-to is, is like chocolate and pretzels and ice cream. Yeah, Well, yeah, and red wine. And, you know, we've been under such a tremendous amount of stress. So the first thing that I would say is just do not beat yourself up. This is a great opportunity for you to rediscover your body again, rediscover yourself and learn how to love and respect and appreciate anything and everything that your body can do. And one of the things that you said that was just so impactful and powerful is to move slowly, because when people think that it's time to get back into shape, they want to just hit it really hard or or go to the gym or just kind of beat themselves up. And that is the wrong thing to do, because you're going to get up, get um, you're going to end up getting injured. You're going to. Just get discouraged because you're not going to see the results that you want right away. So remember, it's all about taking those little baby steps. And one of the things, if if you get nothing else from this conversation, is I recommend everybody who's listening to this is to get one of those large exercise balls. If you don't have them, you can order them online. You can get them at Target or different. Um, you know, I think they even sell them at some of the health food stores. But one of those large exercise balls, just to be able to sit on.
1: Is it like a big beach ball, right? But like Like a
0: big beach ball, but, but a lot thicker. sturdier. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You can hold more weight. How much weight can those things hold, do you know?
0: Oh, it depends on the ball, the maker, the size of, you know, the ball that you get, because they do come in different sizes. Right. But roughly three hundred pounds. Oh uh, wow. Okay.
1: So they can hold quite a bit then
0: quite a bit. And the balls that they make now when they first you know were making them years ago cuz we used them a lot in physical therapy, uh, there, there was like a the fabric or the material that they used was fairly thin and they could puncture and if you got a puncture, boom, they would go flat. <laughs> but the ones that they make now Is uh, the the material is much thicker and it is puncture resistant and it's self like adhering. So even if you did take a pin and stuck a pin in the ball, it would slowly deflate. Oh, that's so you wouldn't you know boom hit hit the floor. And it actually happened to me in my girl cave down here at the beginning of the pandemic. I knocked a lamp over and I thought I cleaned it up pretty well. And I've got those exercise balls of every shape, size, and color, you know, in my cave. Right. And I was talking to a friend of mine who happened to be a chiropractor. And so I'm sitting on this ball and all of a sudden I realized that I was I felt like I was shrinking. <laughs> and she she was looking at the screen and said, Are you are are you getting lower? And I said, And then I I listened, I could hear a very, you know, slight hissing noise. And I said, oh my gosh, Carly, I think, I think I have a sliver of glass. And I did. So during our entire conversation, you could just see my head going lower and lower (laughs) on the screen.
1: Fantastic.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. So so that's definitely a safety feature now that they've got. So there, it's wonderful. And it's one of the best things you can do for your core um, strength, flexibility, balance. And it's fun.
1: What is your thoughts, Cheryl, on all those new, um, the fad with the desks that you can like elevate to where you can stand at your desk? What is your thoughts on the whole standing desk thing?
0: You know, when it first came out, I kind of poo-pooed it because I thought, you know, I don't know, is this a, you know, is this for real or what? And I really didn't like that they were advertising. Sitting is the new smoking because I was a respiratory therapist before I was a physical therapist for 17 years. And trust me it's not the new smoking, but sitting for long prolonged periods of time is incredibly unhealthy uh, and brings a lot of wear and tear on your body just because you do stiffen up and it slows down your circulation, your lymphatic flow, all that good stuff. So being able to change position like that, because standing for long periods of time, isn't that great either. Right. But if you're in the standing position. If you're able to be cognizant about shifting your weight back and forth, putting one foot forward or even one foot on a small um, a book or something, it really takes a lot of pressure off your spine. So I do like the fact that, you know, in that upright position, you can just change positions. And I think that that's the best thing is that it reminds you that you don't have to sit there.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And when I first started the work from home back in March... Of 2020, uh, we have a desk chair that Chris bought for me because otherwise I was just sitting on this kind of old, broken down kind of uh, office chair that we had. So he bought me this really nice one that said that it was supposed to be like ergonomic and had extra support. And after a couple of months of working from home, I would get up and I would be so stiff and like Mm -hmm. I would have this sciatic pain and then I was having these massive migraines and I was like, what is going on? And then I realized that my chair didn't have enough support for my back and I was having because I had to do back to back to back Zoom meetings for like six or seven hours a day and I didn't have my standing desk. So then I was kind of hunched over. And so fortunately, we were able to go and pivot and get my standing desk and my actual ergonomic chair that they have to purchase us for the workplace because Mm -hmm. it's you know better for your back but the other thing that i did is i i started doing the standing but i had to have like a mat underneath me whether it was a plastic mat or a rug because we have wood floors and gosh Mm -hmm. that if you're barefoot and doing work at a standing desk on wood floors for hours at a time mm-hmm. that can kill your back Well, it's
1: like at those uh convenience stores they have like the workers that stand in front of the counter they'll put like that thick rubber mat yeah
2: like the little gel mats mm-hmm. or whatever uh, then mm-hmm. they stand
1: on not just the floor itself can of right. imagine even with shoes even with good tennis shoes standing on mm-hmm. solid pavement all day it's got to hurt your feet yeah
0: yeah, it's not good for your feet. And like uh, Christine said, I mean, it's it just kills your low back. So, you know, you know what, if you have a yoga mat, uh, not a yoga mat, um, those yoga blocks. Oh, I don't have and, any, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you can uh, again, you can get them at Target, order them online, whatever. Um, and just use that yoga block. And as you're standing as your desk, prop one foot on the yoga block and you would be amazed at how much pressure it takes off of your low back. And you can just do that for, you know, uh, maybe 20 minutes or so and then switch legs. And that really makes a difference not only on your low back, but on uh, your hips as well. And even like with the migraines, another thing to remember, it doesn't matter what kind of chair or what kind of... um, you know, standing um, desk that you have, when we're staring at screens all day, they're like our eyes are glued to the screen. And when we're looking that intensely with our eyes, our eyes aren't moving around. And that really has um, a big impact on the muscles of our neck. Oh, wow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it actually tightens them up. It's something called the vestibular ocular reflex. So if you just take a few minutes to take you know, your eyes and just gently move your eyes back and forth, like side to side, up and down, it's amazing what it does uh, to help relax the muscles of your neck.
1: Yeah, so I'm always looking off somewhere when Christine's t- talking to me. And she's always, <laughs> she always tells me. Look at me. Well, I'm actually uh, I'm flexing my eyes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm relaxing my body right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you they've can start, tell you, they've you started They've started it from me. Oh, yeah. They've started in some of our workshops that are like multiple hours to do. Uh, they call them like gaze away breaks. So they'll say, OK, for one oh. minute, we're going to have everybody just gaze away. Take your eyes off of your screen. Look anywhere else in the room stare for a minute, stretch your arms. And it, it is nice to know that because otherwise you are like glued to the screen. But enough about work from home stuff. I'm super mm-hmm. interested to learn more about the ways that you've stayed fit and flexible as you've moved past your 58th birthday, which you have <laughs> previously. And um, our, we were reading your bio and Cheryl, we just had to have you on the show because we've never met even virtually a real life ninja.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I never thought I would ever be a real live ninja. I mean, who who thinks like that? But, um, you know, and that is part of my health and fitness journey. But I don't know how much of my bio that you you've read. But uh, one of the things that really helped accelerate me into this world of health and healing and alternative um, health and healing is the fact that I was a chronic pain patient. Oh, and oh, uh, yes. So in my mid 30s, uh, what started out as a little bit of vague discomfort in my and tightness in my low back quickly spiraled down to a full-blown chronic pain syndrome where I had pain shooting across my back, down my hips, w- down the back of one leg, all the way into my big toe, and it was absolutely devastating and incapacitating. And I couldn't, I was a respiratory therapist at the time. So, you know, I was really deep into the Western medical model. So I went to the doctors, did everything I was told. I took all the medications. um, I went to all the physical therapy, you know, sessions, uh, you know, got my massage therapist. I did every single thing, saw all the doctors and my pain just kept getting worse. And instead of getting better, I was spiraling down. And it wasn't until one of my, doctors told me that I was never going to be able to do my grocery shopping and my laundry all in the same day, because the arthritis in my spine was so severe, I would end up being bedridden. Oh, my gosh, that's devastating. It was very devastating. And I looked at her and I said, you don't understand. I'm planning on going back to ballet class. And she (laughs) laughed in my face. Oh, no. Wow. And she said, you don't understand. You are a chronic pain patient. This is your new normal. You will never have the life you had before, or the life that you thought you were going to have. And she knew one of my goals was to try and get into physical therapy school. And she says, you forget, can forget about physical therapy school. She says, even if you could do it, which you can't, you are way too injured. She said, you're just way too old.
2: Oh, wow. And you know, when people hear that type of information about, especially when it comes to chronic pain, I've heard that that's where a, a fraction of the opioid addiction comes from when people start chronic pain management and they have to turn to opioids because traditional over-the-counter painkillers aren't working anymore and mm-hmm. you know lives can spiral. It, it becomes a very hopeless place in a person's life. So how did you stay away from that hopelessness and, and cling to something different?
0: Well, you nailed it. It was the hopelessness. And it took, you know, I went home, I hit rock bottom for a few days. And for some reason, I don't know, I just had this epiphany. I don't know if it was my fighting spirit that I never even knew that I had. that probably have had all my life. It was like, no, this is not my new normal. This is not the life that I chose. This is not what, you know, I deserve better than this. My husband deserves better than this. And I'm just going to have to figure it out on my own. So, basically, what I did was I fired all my caregivers, much to their chagrin, because they thought I was going to get hurt. Well, that ship had already sailed. I was already in so much pain. You know, I could barely move, and I could, uh, you know, I had to cut back on my work hours, and it was just a nightmare. So, I fired all of them. I stopped taking the medications. I stopped doing all the stupid exercises and stretches that the PTs were giving me. Good on you. yeah, thank you. Because they did not help. And so, so what What was the point? It was pointless. So I did know enough Pilates at that time. And obviously, I had had enough of a dance background. I understood movement. And intuitively, I knew that when we were babies, we nobody taught us how to move, right? We taught ourselves how to move by exploring our environment, figuring out what worked and what didn't. So every single day I would get down on the floor and I would just kind of um, dissect some of the Pilates mat exercises and do some of the movement patterns and how does this make me feel? Okay, that hurt my back, this made it feel better, this is what I need to do, this is what I need to stay away from. And just by using my own self-awareness and self-exploration, the way we all know how to do, we were born with that, it just, we kind of lose it as we mature. And by doing that, and I added acupuncture. So between my own work that I did for myself and the acupuncture, it took at least six to eight months. It was very tedious. It wasn't easy. Um, But I came back. That's so amazing. Yeah, and look at me now, I'm a 64-year-old pole dancer.
1: <laughs> wow. So the the chronic pain that you had, did the acupuncture, did the whole process take away most of that, if not all of that?
0: No. No, it um it's almost like a a system of unwinding. You know, my back even though the pain, you know, spiraled out of control very quickly, what you have to do is kind of like unspiral or unravel the sequence of events. So it does take a little bit longer to do that. And maybe it's just because we're so aware of the pain at the time, you know, it may have taken me that much time to get into that much pain. I don't know, I I could not speak to that. But basically, you're kind of reversing the symptomology and kind of like, trying to unwind things. So it's a very slow process. The acupuncture would calm me down. um, That's for sure. And it would take uh, help to reset my nervous system and actually help to take away some of the pain by decreasing some of the inflammation. That makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that you were
2: talking about was finding out what movement felt good for your body. And, you know, we see a lot, on social media about fitness and, you know, you should do this, get fit quick kind of thing and, you know, Mm -hmm. come and work out with me for 30 days and I'll get you, you know, come to my boot camp and I'll get you results. And, you know, a lot of people get focused on fitness for weight loss. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I think is unique in your story is you were approaching not fitness, but overall body wellness. And sounds like you, Kind of, um, you rolled from this like Pilates movement into was it martial arts that got you um, into being a ninja? Like, what was that journey?
0: Well, that came later. So, I actually began my martial arts training at the tender young age of 47. So, as you can tell now, I do everything, you know, later in life. I mean, when people are quitting things is when I start them, but I did not go willingly. my my teacher actually was my acupuncturist. Oh, wow. And well, he was a new acupuncturist. He was somebody I met when I was 44. And somebody told me, oh, you ought to try this guy. He's really great, blah, blah, blah. And he does shiatsu and and everything. So I thought, okay, I'll try him. And the very first time I'm lying on his table and he's sticking needles in my legs, he got a very far away look on his face. And he said, you know, with your legs, and my coaching, I could teach you how to kill with these things.
1: <laughs> what? I, I don't know how I just take that if I was a coward yeah. or what.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm laying there literally. I was pinned to the table. I could not move, right? And all I'm thinking is, oh my goodness, who thinks like this, let alone says it out loud. (laughs) And you're like, and he has needles. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't even get up and move. And so I just kind of said, well, um, thank you for offering. But uh, no, I think I'll save my killer legs for ballet class. (laughs) Long story. It took him three years and every time I went in for a, a session, he would talk about his art of a ninja and he'd talk about his NIMPO. And, you know, he had his martial arts school right next to his clinic. It was like a duplex. And he kept trying and trying to get me. He's, oh, you'd be so good at it. And oh, you would love it. And going on and on. And finally, after three years, I capitulated and I said, okay, I will take a few classes just to prove to you how much I'm going to hate it. <laughs> And then ten years later, I became his first female
1: black belt. Woo! Congratulations, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. In twenty years of teaching, he never had a female achieve such a high rank, and there I was, the middle-aged princess. You know that uh, broke that glass ceiling. And you know, full disclosure, I did have a really uh, traumatic event right before I had met him. And basically, I was in a situation where somebody had taken away my power, silenced my voice. And so I was dealing with the effects of uh, PTSD at the time. And when Mark heard my full story, like an, it was probably a year after I had met him, his campaign to get me on the map went into you know high gear. And I'm like, I don't understand how... Being in a room with a bunch of sweaty men in a smelly dojo all hitting each other is going to make me feel better or help me heal. So another reason why I signed up for the classes was to prove to him that it wasn't going to help me at all. Well, so you were trying to like
2: (laughs) get back at him, like, I'm going to prove you wrong.
0: Yeah, and kind of that backfired on me. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I just, it was pretty quick. It was, I don't want to say it was immediate but it was very quickly I fell in love and I fell in love with the art. I fell in love with the training and I really fell in love with the sense of empowerment that I got from training. And, you know, most of the time, I was the only woman in class. It wasn't like a lot of these karate studios or taekwondo where they have a lot of women. Since our martial, yeah, our art is, it's kind of obscure. It's not very well known. Um, And it is a very classical type of Japanese, ancient Japanese martial art. So you can't get a, a black belt in two years. And a lot of people, when they start training in martial arts, you know, they all they have their eye on is that black belt. Well, I never wanted a black belt. I never wanted a yellow belt. I didn't even want a white belt, but it came with the uniform.
1: It did. Is that What Jacob Mason have, honey? does not they have a yeah. the white white belt? Or they white...
0: have a? Oh,
2: they got. A, they went from a white belt to like a a yellow
1: or something. No, it has a white with a stripe on it.
2: White with a yellow stripe on it. A, I think. a stripe or something. Well, our Anyways. littlest ones pre-COVID were in uh, jujitsu classes, and oh yeah, and so we would just gotten them started, and finally just bought them all of their sparring gear. Where is that stuff at? I know we have oh. to get it. Well, they, we bought, ordered, well, all, they we ordered, ordered it. They ordered it, and, and then. Than COVID. COVID. <laughs> oh, and so we never God. received it and they're probably it's probably too small for them now. But, um, you know, that's one of the things that I was going to bring up is I, I don't know if you've ever watched this show on Netflix, Cobra Kai,
0: and it's very popular. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, but I know it's it's kind of like a takeoff of um, The Karate Kid from All Those Years Ago. Is that right? right. Yes. It's
1: like a sequel. Like, yeah. What's what they're doing now kind of thing. Yeah,
0: it's like them as adults, but
2: it really shows um, like the discipline and I mean, two different sides of it. Discipline based. Uh, martial arts and then like revenge based like I'm going to teach you to like get revenge and so there's two different sides of it but I think that it's really revitalized an interest in the martial arts and so I would love to know a little bit more about how yours is different from,
0: like, a traditional karate. Do you get to use weapons or anything? Ooh. Oh, yeah. I've got a ton of weapons. They're right behind me now as we're recording this. They're on my, my weapons rack in my girl cave, my All right. feminine All right. to girl cave. Okay,
1: can you list them off? What you got? Or
0: Like samurai swords kind of oh. weapons? No, oh, they're not samurai. They're, well, yeah, they are, but Katanas. basically they're not... They're katanas. They're not, you know, sharp, because when we do purchase a sword, you know, we have to bring it to our sensei, and he checks the blades just to make sure that they're not too sharp, and if they are, he has us doll them down, because he doesn't want any accidents, and I I did have a bad day at the dojo. What's a fun, Um, that. Yeah, Yeah. several years ago, I actually slipped my own wrist, which it was really (gasps) kind of funny. It wasn't bad, but it did bleed. But, you know, we were doing, there were a lot of men in class. It was a very full class. And sensei was giving us, you know, instruction. And all the guys around me were yelling instructions to me. And it's like just please be quiet so I can listen to sensei. And we were putting our swords, we were resheathing them. So as we we're resheathing and the guys were just, you know, like yelling, do this, do that. And it was like, no, I'm going to listen to sensei. And I just turned my head just a little bit so I could hear sensei. And I felt this burning pain in my left wrist. And no. I thought, that's not good. So I looked and you know how when you cut yourself and it's just really kind of like white and then all of a sudden it starts to bleed. Yeah. That's basically what happened. So what goes through my mind, you know, as a medical person, when was my last tetanus shot, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm good. I'm covered. And then, you know, I, so I put my sword in, back in the sheath and I'm walking off the mat holding my, my arm and I says, yeah, I'll be right back. I, I cut myself, uh, but I'm, I'm just going to clean it up. I'll be right back. And so the guys started freaking out. Oh, wow. And one of the guys was yelling, and he's a psychiatrist. He's just as crazy as a loon. And he was saying, you need to go to the hospital. You need to go to the hospital. (laughs) And I said, Larry, I've seen more blood than this in a point shoot. I think I'll be okay. (laughs) But yeah, so it was one of those days. So yeah, you you need to be careful with the katanas. So wait, I'm so confused because I
2: thought that, and and call me clueless, but I thought that when you're a ninja, you're supposed to have sharp swords to like Shank people. (laughs) Shank people. (laughs) No, but if they're not sharp, then are they just for looks or is it like showmanship? What do you
0: use them for? No, Well, we definitely do practice with them. But, you know, when you are practicing with a live blade, things can go wrong. And so that's why we always start like the children in the children's classes. They have these padded sticks. So they're swords. Those are their pretend things because you know how kids okay. are.
1: Okay. Right.
0: As adults, we use what's called um, boken, which are wooden swords. Okay. So we practice with wooden swords. And then once we get proficient with that, then we're allowed to bring out the real swords.
1: Do the wooden ones feel like the same weight, and, and do they feel like the, the metal ones? Like if you were to close your eyes and hold both, could you tell the difference? Yes. Okay. You
0: could tell the difference, yeah. The uh, wooden ones definitely have a different feel to them, Right. but there is nothing. Uh, my first sword class, ooh. I'll never forget that because it was almost like this thing was coming alive in my hands. It was just amazing. And I remember looking at at my sensei and said, the sword is sexy.
1: Oh, (laughs) I love that. You know, I always wanted a katana to hang on my wall. I've always wanted one.
0: Well, I mean, she's talking
2: about poles today and swords, (laughs) Chris. He's like lighting up. He's like, all right, Christine, go get to martial
0: arts. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And it's, you know, well, you wanted to know how to liven up your marriage or make sure that, you know, things, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it really is. It's so, it's so amazing because when you have something like that in your hand, you have so much respect for not only the weapon, but, you know, for yourself what the weapon can do and that weapon actually becomes a part of you. So it's a tremendous amount of like this mutual respect. And even in our art, we always talk about like our spirit is in the weapon. And when we use the weapon and we train it, you know, with that weapon, that weapon is ours. Right. And it's, it's just like, there's an incredible connection between you and the weapon. I know probably sounds crazy, but, um, and I used to think it sounded crazy until I felt it myself.
1: Do you have, uh, okay, other than the katana, are you, uh, can you use any other weapons? Have you been trained on?
0: Yes. Um, there is the bow staff, which is a three foot long um, stick,
1: it's like the broomstick
0: uh it's about yeah but it's smaller it's about three foot long okay and then we have the rickshacko bow which is the six foot long stick would which would be closer to a broomstick and now that you mentioned that even before i began my training and my sensei mark was trying to talk me into taking classes from him he would always say oh and he'd get that look on his face again and he'd say everything's a weapon and I thought, okay, this guy's nuts, right?
1: I think I heard that in a movie once. Um,
0: Karate kid. It was, was the it? chopsticks. you got the fly. Oh,
1: okay. So <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. And th- those are weapons. So, and he said, like even like toilet plungers are a weapon, and broomsticks, and you know, the, he's like the blinds, uh, you know, the pulleys. And I'm going. This guy really is nuts. <laughs> so you think about it. That three foot long bow staff could be like a toilet plunger. So it's a household item turned into a weapon and the six foot long staff. And that's basically how the ninjas trained because they were fighting against or trying to protect themselves against the samurai who would just kind of go through their villages and test out their swords By just, you know, cutting off a few heads. Oh, yeah, the sword works. So that's pretty Mm -hmm. good. So they would attack villages. Exactly. And so the ninja, they were peasants. They were farmers. So a lot of their weapons were their farm tools that they trained in and taught each other how to use so they could protect themselves.
2: That makes a lot of sense because when I think back to movies that I've watched where they are the... Uh, actors there's some like storyline that includes some type of martial arts what you'll notice is them using anything as a weapon or to block That's what like, saying, like in the movies like, like right. a chair or mm-hmm. yeah like you said like grabbing the blinds like the top of the blinds off or you know mm-hmm. getting a, like all those
1: Jackie Chan movies yes
2: getting a some picture off the wall or like the curtain rod for the bathroom whatever it is mm-hmm. some everything it has utility and it's very interesting that you say like what you've trained with because it makes me think about that but i was wondering and mm-hmm. again you could you know call me naive but what about <laughs> what about nunchucks because our boys would love to know if you can use nunchucks uh, yes yes
0: Ooh. um yeah but uh, yeah. We don't. We haven't trained. I haven't done a lot of training in them. But yes, yes. I, I just imagine hitting myself
1: in the face with those. <laughs> that's, that's probably what happens. There's probably a big warning yeah. label on the box. that says, "Do not hit yourself in the face."
0: Yeah, I, I think when you know we train weapons, there's, um, you know, and again, a lot of things have been kind of on hold because of COVID and all that stuff. But when it came to be, you know, Nunchuck Day or Nunchuck Month or whatever, when they would be training, nobody showed up for class for
1: some reason. Really. More dumb truck yeah. training for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, okay, that's going to be a little too owie. I think I'll stay home and do something else. Yeah.
1: Hey, Cheryl, I got one big, big question when it comes to all this ninja stuff. Now, okay. uh, can you karate chop a bunch of bricks or wood or any of those cool things they do on TV? No. Is that really a and, thing or is it fake?
0: Um,. No, I think that it is possible. But, you know, why in the heck would I do that? You know, it's just like, to me, that's not functional, even if I could do it. It's like, what's the point? Because I might hurt myself, right? And then I wouldn't be able to use my hand weapon, <laughs> you know, if right. I needed it against a human being. I mean, if you could do that. Imagine what you could do to to a person, right? But um, you know, to me, that's just that's just showing off. And, showing off, and, yeah, and, yeah, and good for them. I'm glad they can do it. But how do they do, do it, it though?
1: Like how how is it even possible without breaking your hand?
0: Well, a lot of training ahead of time. It's
2: a lot of mental training too, right? It's like mind over yep. matter kind of stuff. So it's kind of in my mind. It <laughs> you know it might sound like a stupid comparison, but it seems like the karate chopping. Like a phone book or bricks or wood or whatever is along the same lines as like people walking across hot coals at, you know, one of those like personal development conferences. It's like the mind over matter that I can do this and not get hurt. Uh, But it is kind of a flashy
0: it is definitely a mind game or a mindset and as well as toughening up that edge of the, you know, we call it the edge of the blade, which is actually that edge of the hand of toughening it up and practicing, um, you know, with softer targets and then gradually making the targets harder and thicker until you can get to that point. But it's so funny that you mentioned the personal development um aspect of it because I have a friend, he's a martial artist here in Denver. And he works with another friend of mine who does these business boot camps. Oh, and I've yeah. done the business boot camps a couple of times. And the very first time, they said, you know, okay, at the very end of the first day, we're going to break boards. And I'm rolling my eyes going, I'm not going to be breaking anymore. This is so stupid. Where's the door? I'm leaving. And... One of the women who was sitting next to me, and she says, Oh, don't worry. I've done it before, and you can do it. Don't be afraid. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not afraid. I says, In my art, we don't break boards. Yeah. We break bones. Ooh. Uh, Ooh.
2: Yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah. That's
2: that's a big deal.
1: And I that's- break hearts. A- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Well that's funny. Uh, this has been super, super interesting, but I would love to know more about your podcast and your book and a little bit of where our
0: listeners can find you. Okay, great. Well, my podcast is called The Femininja Project, and it is about overcoming obstacles. Uh, personal empowerment, restoring human dignity, one person at a time, finding your voice, standing your ground, alternative health and healing, living well and looking good. So Ooh. you can find me on everywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, I also do have a website, uh, www.thefemininjaproject.com, where I have all my episodes and a couple other like cool, fun ninja stuff there on that website. My book is Forever Fit and Flexible: Feeling Fabulous at Fifty and Beyond. You can find it on Amazon. You can also go to my other website, which is CherylIlove.com. There is no e on the end of I love, so it's just Love.com. And um, I am currently, I'm so excited. I just submitted my second manuscript. So this is my second book. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping it'll be published uh, by September. And the title of that book is The Reluctant Ninja, How a Middle-Aged Princess Became a Warrior Queen.
2: Oh, okay. So we're going to have to have you back on the show to talk about that when it comes out, because
0: I want to hear more about that story. It's gonna it's it's been a lot of fun well it's been a lot of fun and a lot of heartache writing it because you know my journey hasn't always been easy um, and especially being the only woman a lot of times right. A lot of fun stuff, I got to tell you, and I just want to make sure I leave everybody with this. I call them the many magnificent men in my life. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I've had many <laughs> magnificent men too. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, these are the guys, um, once I got used to them and they got used to me when going through my training, I, I could not be where I am right now without them. And um, it just gave me a whole new relationship. And how to be friends with men—it's um, it, just amazing. It's just so much fun, and they did a lot. They actually taught me more about how to be a lady and how to tap, tap into my sensuality, oh. which I didn't think I had a problem with before. But uh, yeah, it, it was just really fun. Uh, the the martial art I do is very sexy.
2: Ooh, Ooh. now Chris is really
0: like, all right.
2: You woke me up. Write
0: that down, Christine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cheryl, it has been such a pleasure to have you on our show today. And to our listeners, definitely check out Cheryl's book, her podcast, look her up on social media, connect with her, especially if you're looking for ways to, you know, stretch and get flexible. And maybe the traditional gym isn't just the right fit for you, but more than anything, get to know your body and what makes it feel good and what
0: helps you feel fit and flexible. And Cheryl, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Chris and Christine. It has been an honor. It's been a pleasure and it's been a lot of fun. The Podbreed Network is strictly for the small podcasts that are up and coming in the vast world of podcasting. Podbreed is made up of many diverse podcasts, Coming together to achieve the same goal of being the best damn podcast network on the planet. Find out more at podbreed.com.
2: Well, that was such an interesting interview, Chris. I really loved
1: that. Oh, she was fantastic. Cheryl was the best.
2: Yeah, and we get to be a guest on her show next. What? We do? Yes, we got an invitation. You heard her. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: amazing. How are we doing? Like Zoom
2: or something? Yeah, we're going to do it on Zoom. So we don't typically do Zoom, but... I'm really excited to be able to do that. And you and I have actually been talking about that because we're getting more requests to be guests on other people's show.
1: It's just kind of fun. They, I like to want this whole video thing, Zoom thing. We'll try it. We've never done it, but I, we have the stuff to do it. We, we have, have a green screen. <laughs> I know. I got a green screen for the computer here. And I've got a really good webcam I have, which I haven't really used much. And I think Christine has one of those like ring lights. So we maybe get... We're going to do
2: a whole setup in here. We're going to look good.
1: And I'm thinking for the backdrop when we do the actual like zoom stuff, because I know you can put like on your green screen, you can put different images of stuff. Now, can you do like an actual like video image of like the ocean or something or something? Yeah,
2: you can have it like moving behind you. That's kind of weird. But um, yeah, you can do all different kinds of things. We'll have to figure out what we want. But um, I envision that. Almost being set up kind of like a news anchor desk And it'll be like Tonight's evening news um, A kitten was caught in a tree And a brave firefighter caught it Back to you, Chris.
1: <laughs> okay. And and at the orphanage today, the, uh, Batman swung by and he gave out uh, little Frisbees.
2: And then we're going to do like the, the weather behind and you could do like the – because they use green screens oh, for totally. the weather. And so we could be like, and there is a cold front moving through the Southern California region. I could even, you know, I could try and dress up like, you know, one of those newscasters that you love to watch so much. Oh, you totally can. Yeah. You oh. like the weather, girls. Oh, I totally do. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Enough, enough. <laughs> But we have this little like miniature table. It's like a skinny little table. What kind of table would you call that? It's well, like,
2: it's a small banquet table, but it's only four, five feet long, four or five feet long. and But it's thin. So it's like 24 inches wide versus like a typical banquet table like three feet wide and like six feet long. And so this will be really nice because it'll give us a little bit of a buffer from the desk. And then we could like sit with our chairs and it'll be good.
1: Yeah, we'll put our microphones up there. It'll be like two microphone stands sitting up. We'll be having our headphones on. Obviously, and we'll have everything plugged into the thing. And then uh, hopefully everything runs good. Hopefully, the computer will handle that. Because today I was actually – I cranked the computer open and I never ever actually opened the inside of my computer and looked inside the computer before. Oh, wow. It was only one little screw It took it off. Like one little screw took it off, took the cover off the side. And then you can see all the bits and parts and all the little different fans. And was it covered get, in dirt? His, yes. That main fan that uh, Mark was talking about, he said, he said you need to clean out the, it's called the heat sink fan. There's a fan. It's a heat sink. And I saw that. It looked like a little radiator. It was just covered with dirt and muck Ew. and gunk. And, and like and we were talking like eight years of buildup yeah. on that computer. I've never. Gosh,
2: you do maintenance on your cars all the time. You would think you'd be better about maintenance on your computer. I thought they
1: were good to go. I don't know about this stuff. I just know you turn it on and, you, you know, a mouse and a keyboard. What else is there? You're such a so, but I clean, I, I cleaned it out. And it was so funny because this computer used to be so loud and super hot. And after I cleaned it, like honey, you can't even hear it at all. The door is wide open to the little box it sits in, and you can't hear and anything. It's so quiet. I thought it was, I thought it was completely it was dead. I was like, is it, <laughs> is it even working? Is I checked it, it's working, but uh, it's super, it's super quiet now. And because it was so loud, we had to build this little like fuzzy like little wall out of cardboard and put it right over. Like, we. I did.
2: Oh my gosh, it was so funny. The day that you were doing that, I was like, "You should get um, gorilla glue to be able to to glue it on." And so you went to Joanne's or something or Walmart, and you came back. I know you had the cardboard from one of my boxes, but then you came back with this like mattress padding kind of stuff, and then you were like frustrated. I was sitting at the table and. I don't know, you just like blew up and I asked you what was going on. You were like, yeah, it won't stick. And then uh, I think I asked you what you were trying to glue it together with. And what did you show me?
1: Uh, was this <laughs> it was a glue stick. It a
2: glue stick. Like for the paper. Yeah. And you were like, but it said, what did you say? It, it said it's, foam or
1: something like that. Right. I'm trying to glue it on there. It so was I, a purple glue stick. <laughs> so I, I, made, I made it kind of work. It's like a, little, it's a so little. How did you finally make it work? Well, I fold. I think I used duct tape on the you thing. <laughs> It looks so rigged. <laughs> what a doubt duct tape to think of together. So all it did was I kind of would block the computer because the computer sits – it's a tower computer and it sits like in this little like cubby hole like drawer of the computer desk.
2: And and with that description, everybody, I'm sure you have an exact picture of what that cubby slash drawer slash –
1: Well, it's a, it's a, it's a cubby <laughs> it's hole.
2: a cupboard in the bottom of the desk.
1: Right. But it has – just like most cupboards in your in pantry, there's no ventilation to this thing. So – It it doesn't get any air. When you close the door, it like suffocates the computer, which we usually keep the door open.
2: Well, then you should just take it out and put it underneath your desk so it can have ventilation. That's a good idea. Yeah. Hmm.
0: (laughs) Hmm.
1: (laughs) But anyways, it sits in there and it was getting so hot and so dusty and so noisy and we try to record a podcast. You got this noisy computer next to you. You have to find ways to block the sound, which was my little makeshift uh, foam cardboard block wall I built and I put over the thing. Only problem was is that after we were done recording, I removed the wall and it would be like opening an oven. This
2: (laughs) computer's on
1: fire. (laughs) It was. (laughs) You know what's funny? When I pulled the cover off the back of the computer, I saw these like, Look like burnt marks on the the inside walls of the like you know when you if you burn something it's so
2: dangerous Chris
1: <laughs> but it wasn't burnt marks it turns out it was just dust that like pocketed on those corners oh my word <laughs> it looked like burnt sections okay but... you're
2: too much uh. well I'm glad that you were able to get that figured out and I'm really glad that we were able to interview Cheryl on this week's episode and I loved talking with her and we were even telling the boys about our interview with her and they're so excited to listen to it because they're all into jiu-jitsu and they love the show cobra kai and they're like hey yeah you know karate whatever (laughs) um but i really loved how she was talking about um what the martial arts have done for her in her life and you know just giving her purpose
1: that sounds fantastic i loved it
2: yeah absolutely and so thank you all for sticking with us this week and we hope that you got a lot out of this interview and this episode And we are going to leave Cheryl's info in the show notes. So make sure to check her out and her podcast. And we will be back here with you next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up
1: in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason.
2: If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy.
1: They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris.
2: And I'm Christine. And until next week,
1: keep moving forward.